the most amazing experience of my life because I finished and thought, oh my God, that's hard. And I was watching marathon runners like getting near the finish line as I finished because I think that first half was in like maybe like a 217 half marathon or something. But there was this deep sense of pride because it was something hard that no one made me do. I chose to do it. I showed up every day. And I think that really excited me because school was always sort of easy. Sports, I knew I was never going to be like, you know, a superstar. So I didn't try that hard. So this was the first time that there was something hard that I just chose to do. And that really stuck with me. If you're an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you're in the right place. Runner Click presents The Passionate Runner with your host, me, Whitney Hines. Hi, and welcome to episode 20 of Runner Clicks, the Passionate Runner podcast. I am your host, Whitney Hines. I'm a lifelong runner, a certified running coach, and founder of the motherrunners.com, a resource for moms who run. And today we get to know Amanda Brooks, a renowned running coach for middle of the pack runners and founder of one of the top running blogs out there, Run to the Finish. Amanda knows pretty much all there is to know about running. And if she doesn't know, she's going to do the research and find out. Today, we learn why she decided to be a trailblazer in the running blogosphere, launching one of the first blogs out there about running. And she shares some real wisdom to love running for running beyond the clock. Some more about Amanda. Amanda Brooks is the author of the book, Run to the Finish, the Everyday Runner's Guide to Avoiding Injury ignoring the clock, and loving the run. With more than 470 Amazon reviews, her advice is described as perfect for middle-of-the-packed runners that are trying to do the best for themselves, staying injury-free, and train healthy while still living their lives. As a certified running coach and personal trainer, she's helped thousands of runners over the last 10 years run over 26,000 miles and believes running is more important now than ever. I couldn't agree more. We're going to get to our interview with Amanda after this very short message from our sponsor, RunnerClick. If you are an avid runner and looking for help to understand the science, simplify the complicated, and remove hurdles so that your next run is not only fun and fulfilling, but also fuels you with passion and purpose, then you are in the right place. RunnerClick presents The Passionate Runner with your host, Whitney Hines. We are here with Amanda Brooks. Amanda, I am so happy to finally be connecting with you. Yeah, excited to chat. You have been somebody that I've admired for a very long time. I know we connected like many years ago when I was kind of just getting started in the running blogosphere. And so I just kind of want to start with how you're doing because I know you recently had COVID, right? Yeah, so truly, I feel like it was slow, but I also cannot complain. I have friends who have very much had long COVID. So I know my like, 10 weeks of annoying, not normal running is kind of nothing. So yeah, I would say we're maybe three months out now. 
And I feel like the running is kind of getting back to normal. I am not marathon training, thank goodness, because I would have been in big trouble for a fall race. So it was definitely the fatigue that just really was this kind of ongoing thing. And even now, like I'm trying to be cautious because I can tell like I'll have a big weekend and we'll get excited and do a bunch of stuff. And then kind of the next day I'm like, oh, the brain fog and my body is still a little like, I don't know. So it's just this weird slower process than anything I've ever been through before. Normally you get a cold and you're like, whatever, snotty, I'll run through it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. So I think having had friends who were in fitness that got it so very early on, and then having coached so many runners on our team who have gone through it, I was just really aware of the fact that it hits everyone differently, but that all of us need to take a page from the, this is not one you get to just push through. Because if we can take that little bit of rest kind of early on, it seems like it does go better. And so even though maybe I wasn't running normal, I was running compared to some folks I saw who kind of tried to push through initially and then had like months of nothingness. Right. Yeah. That is great that you were able to learn that because it's so it's so hard to like, like, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. But then when it's yourself, you're like, no, you know, I'll just. I'll just try it and see and push through. But yeah, that was a lesson I learned. I tried to go back too soon and then realize that this was not something that was going to just go away on its own. And I had to rest. And so you didn't have, you haven't had any of like the heart stuff or breathing issues or anything like that. I did actually end up getting an inhaler. I think I've always maybe had like low level exercise induced asthma um, because I had actually like researched and written an article about why do I get this really dry cough after I do. I remember reading it. Yeah. Yeah. Reading what because my husband was dealing with asthma after getting sick and you had just come out with an article and I was like, this is really helpful. You need to read this. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I think it's possible. I've always just had a little touch of that. And I was noticing, man, there's a lot of times I just want to like go like this and tell my chest to like loosen up, just kind of rubbing it. So that I do think has been helpful. And interestingly, we've had a number of trips up to 9,000, 10,000 feet and using it there before my runs, they're going better than they ever have. So I think- (laughs) Yeah, there probably was always just like a touch of that and getting sick just kind of like amplified it for a while. So there's maybe a little silver lining. Like, right? Yeah, another tool (laughs) to put in your tool belt. Okay, all right, well, let's back up now and get to the start. When you were a kid, like, and then when you went to college, you probably never thought that this is what you would end up doing. Like, creating your life. I mean, it's centered around running, right? I mean, where you live, what you do. So it's a big question, but how did this come about? Yeah, it's interesting. Even as a little kid, I wanted to be a writer. I mean, I wrote stories and took them into my teachers, like not homework, just stories. And they were very nice not to tell me how bad they are because I have looked back at some of them. They were not good. (laughs) I was not a child prodigy. (laughs) But I knew I wanted to write. And so even by like my freshman year in high school, I got on the newspaper, which you were not supposed to be allowed to do until you were a senior. Oh, wow. So yeah, I was determined. I went to school for journalism. And the running piece really was kind of 
the secondary thing that happened and really gave me a career, honestly, because I thought I went to school for journalism, but I just kept hearing that writers make no money. And so I didn't go into writing as a career. I went elsewhere. And then my hobby of running, I felt like I needed an outlet. I just thought, if my husband has to listen to me talk about this one more day, he may leave me. (laughs) (laughs) So that was when blogs were, I I guess, the first Facebook status, basically, because your blog was a paragraph of like, I ran today. I also ate hummus with chips. (laughs) Please tell me those articles are still on your site. (laughs) Like they're in the archives somewhere. Yeah, the majority of them are gone now. Um, (laughs) Although it has always been run to the finish since day one, which is fascinating because that was, I technically picked the name in 2005. Oh, wow. So yeah, it was just kind of that funny little thing. And I never even had a dream that a blog would turn into a business. It just sort of kept morphing over time till about 2012, where it really was like, I think this is a business and I need to just see what happens with it. What was that tipping point? How did you figure that out? Some of it was, I was working 80 hours a week as a consultant and then 20 hours a week on the website. So not sustainable life. And my health took a major hit for it. So I really sat down with my husband. We had a long discussion and I was like, I'm exhausted. I don't feel well. I love my company, but I no longer love that job. So this is starting to make money over here. I don't know what that means, but we both agreed I would give it a year and just see in a year what would happen. It grew, so we decided I would give it another year. And kind of after that second year, it was like, no, I can tell this is going somewhere. I didn't know what shape or form it would take. Um, I certainly didn't know it would be the size of business it is now. But I think just giving myself that initial time frame, like just a year, made it less scary for me to just take the leap and see what would happen. And if it didn't work, I knew I could get another job. And that was kind of just my thought process at the time. So what kind of consulting were you doing? I did e-commerce consulting. So this was way back when literally companies were first like getting e-commerce stores online. So we were, I did a lot of the I worked with the designer and with the technical team, and I came up with the strategy and what the page was going to look like and how it would connect to their backend system. So it was fun, but it was a lot. Well, and I feel like that probably gave you some know-how to turn your site into a moneymaker, right? I mean, they kind of fed into one another. Yeah, I think a lot of it too was just... A lot of people who started a blog and wanted it to be a business immediately had no business experience. Whereas I had 10 years of leading Fortune 500 companies through projects. So I immediately was able to respond to things and respond to businesses like I was a business. And I think that shifted a lot of things. I started getting paid faster than a lot of other people. And I think it was just the way I was able to initially respond to things. Okay, so I read somewhere that you were told when you were a kid that you looked funny when you ran. So you grew up not being like you said, you always wanted to be a writer. You didn't tell me that you always wanted to be a runner. Like, so how did you fall in love with running? Yeah, I mean, I played every sport. 
I did not love a lot of them, but I had fun just being with friends and whatever. Running was really something that came about during college. Prior to that, it was honestly, I was being punished if I was being made to run. So I think college was the first time I had a chance to run for me. There were a group of friends that were going to do a road trip to run the Rock and Roll Nashville Half Marathon, and I just wanted to go. So I decided I better start running so that I could do the race. I mean, I never, it did not cross my mind that I could take the trip and not run. I mean, that's a very viable option. (laughs) I did not even think about it. Well, that's good. You're a planner. You like to be prepared. Yes. You know. So that and that was it. And you were hooked. Yeah, that was it. I can't even say it was like the most amazing experience of my life because I finished and thought, oh, my God, that's hard. And I was watching marathon runners like getting near the finish line as I finished because I think that first half was in like maybe like a 217 half marathon or something. But there was this deep sense of pride because it was something hard that no one made me do. I chose to do it. I showed up every day. And I think that really excited me because school was always sort of easy. Sports, I knew I was never going to be like, you know, a superstar. So I didn't try that hard. So this was the first time that there was something hard that I just chose to do. And that really stuck with me. Okay. So, and now you do a great job of, there's a lot of blogs out there and Instagram accounts that, you know, they kind of talk to like both sides, like either side of the spectrum, you know, the the more elite versus like the people who are just getting started. And you do a great job of talking to the middle of the pack runners. There aren't a lot of people out there like you, I think, who really like give that those people a voice. What made you drawn to that type of runner? I guess because that's who you feel like you are. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it is I'm the same person at running groups who goes to all the different groups and tests them out. And I'm always like, I feel like I end up running by myself because I'm not in the fast group and I'm not in the back. (laughs) I'm like right in the middle. And we tend to be the people who don't go to running groups because we're like, ah, I'm too slow, even though we are squarely in the middle. We are very like average runners. And I think for me, at least at the time, as Instagram kept growing, it just felt like all you were seeing was photos of people's watches. And it was constantly like, man, they think that's slow. Like, that's a great day for me. And so constantly that like pace comparison and pace thought. And I was like, I've never thought this much about my pace in my entire life. And I was like, that's not what I want for me. And it's really not what most other people want. We didn't start running to hit a specific pace. We started running or kept running because it was, you know, that stress relief. It felt good. We were achieving something And I really just thought, I think there are a lot of people who have that same feeling and, you know, what is it that we need so that we can enjoy our runs, get better, but not feel so pressured. So do you run watch lists a lot of the times or do you not look at your data until you're done or? 
I tend to run by heart rate a lot of the times. So a lot of times I'm just looking at my heart rate and how long I've been running. I'm not that concerned with my pace. I'll look at things later or if I'm doing a speed workout, I may be doing it by effort unless I have a very specific race goal that I'm targeting. A lot of the times I am not training for a race. I will run the same amount of miles during the year, whether I have a race on the calendar or not, because I'm just running because I enjoy it. Yeah, I feel like there's such a push and pull between like being goal oriented and having goal times, but also doing like loving and doing running just for like the pure enjoyment and just like the purity of it all the simplicity of just going out there and like feeling the breeze on your skin and like, you're being thankful for the way that your body can move. And like the data is great. And it helps you fine tune your training. But it also can steal your joy and make you feel bad about yourself. And then the whole comparison and I feel like it's a really hard line to walk. I don't know. (laughs) It is. And I think for a lot of people, yeah, I mean, there's a reason I didn't train for a marathon with like a gap of eight years because I did the final one and I was like, I did not enjoy that. I didn't enjoy training. I got so focused on the goal that I didn't enjoy it at all. This last round where I trained for Chicago, I made a really conscious effort that even though I had a specific goal, training had to be enjoyable. And so I kept making mental choices throughout training to be like, here's why I love being out here on runs that are three hours long. Like I, whatever it was, you know, so <laughs> I kept telling myself that like, oh my God, I get cinnamon gummy bears on my long run. It's going to be an amazing day. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay. Tell me more about the cinnamon gummy bears. What is, that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, really there are a lot of people who love using Swedish fish. I mean, sugar, it's just sugar. Your gels are just sugar, like gummy bears, Swedish fish, whatever it is. So those are foods that I don't have around a lot because I will just eat them. So it very much became like a, okay, that's something I really enjoy. And if I know I'm going to have it on my long runs, that's way more appealing to me than I'm going to suck down another gel. Oh, yeah. So that's a nice, right? Nice little mental boost for yourself. But (laughs) I think for a lot of people, it's a process of go for the goal and then have a season where you're just running and enjoying your fitness and then go for a goal. Too often, we just go from goal to goal to goal to goal. And that's where I see a lot of the burnout and the frustration and the why am I not progressing? And I used to enjoy this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, because when you're training for a marathon, it does kind of rule your life. I mean, if you have to stick to the schedule, for the most part, I mean, obviously, within reason, if there's obviously life is going to happen, and things are going to pop up, but it really is like, it does create the backbone for which everything else kind of fits around a lot of the times. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that, you know, you have to kind of remind yourself that this is your choice and look at the the good things, the just the small little simple things like the cinnamon gummy bears. Because this morning, because I do a track workout at 5am on Tuesdays. And so I wake up at, at, 
a three something and I don't go to bed until after 10 when my son is, that's when I'm walking out of his room. So it's like, I'm questioning all my life choices on Tuesdays. <laughs> I'm like, why am I enjoying waking up hours before the sun to go run my butt off for a couple of hours and then just be drained the rest of the day and probably not coherent when I'm talking to Amanda. <laughs> but it's like, when you put it all together, it's totally worth it, but it can be very challenging. It's not necessarily enjoyable the in the moment. It's after, or it's like the little bits and pieces of it put together. For sure. I think too, it's important, like if we enjoy training and we're enjoying the process, we tend to have a better result. So a lot of times it's, you know, how do I need to adjust training or it is There's a joy for you in those track workouts. I know there is like finishing that intensity and that like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. So it's, I really am just a huge fan of like celebrating constantly. And I think I did that anyways before, but particularly after I had knee surgery, it was very much like a, I will celebrate every run, every little bit of progress that moves forward. Cause we tend to kind of save the celebration for like the end or the big result. But it's like, if we can find those little moments along the way, it makes it easier too. I think that, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a, yeah. I think I could almost make an argument that every runner should get injured <laughs> just because like it makes you that much more appreciative of being able to run. And so yeah, because I, you know, I've been injured for a while, and I'm finally back. And like, I love I that's what I kept looking forward to was doing those early morning track workouts, no matter how hard they are, no matter how exhausting they are, you just get such a boost, a mental boost. And it's just so thrilling to be able to go out there and push yourself and see what you can do. And then be proud of yourself or learn from it. I mean, even if you don't hit your times, you're still proud that you got out there and did it. Yeah, I totally agree. So do you have a way that you celebrate? Or is it just like, you're just a feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think really, for me, it's really, yeah, it's just kind of that little moment of finishing and being like, okay, cool. Like, that was progress over last time. Or okay, you showed up today. I mean, today, I literally ended up running through flooded streets, I was not anticipating that. And so six inches of water at one point becomes a little nerve wracking. So I just started laughing and thinking like, this is really absolutely ridiculous. And this is what runners do. And like, you know, when I finished, I was just like, you know what? Good for you. Like you got out there, (laughs) you did that. You've got a new experience now. So it's really like taking 30 seconds when you finish a run to just like recognize that you did it. Right. We're usually like, okay, I'm done food, shower, work, you know, but it's like, 30 seconds at least to just sort of like, okay, I did it. So do you, you said you started your blog to kind of have an outlet so that you weren't talking to your husband all the time about running, but so do you, but your blog now is so big. I mean, it's not just about you and your training now, obviously. And so do you still have an outlet where you can talk to people like, Hey, I I did this run and it was pouring and just kind of get that out there? Or do you now just keep it to yourself? Yeah, it's funny, because the blog is almost not about me at all. (laughs) I never talk about my training, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, my personality is very apparent. And I give you my opinions. Yes, I think Instagram stories now is where I've sort of found that outlet for a little while. I did stop talking about it. 
And then a lot of people said, no, we actually kind of like to see like what's happening over there. I still never talk about paces. I never, I might share what a workout was, but I never share what paces I ran. So people can figure it out when I post race times, but otherwise it's not that important to the overall theme of what's happening. So yes, that has been a nice little outlet and way to continue connecting with people around that. Yeah, I recently had that. I had some people last week tell me that they wanted to hear about my training because I, yeah, I, I don't share about it for one reason is that I'm a little superstitious and I'm like, I don't want to start saying that things are going good and then I'm going to get injured again or get COVID again or something. But also I'm like, people, I mean, do you really care? But people said that they care. So I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm interested in other people's training, but it has to come from like a healthy standpoint. Like, I think that's a great idea to not share your paces because people are going to look at it and they're going to, they're going to read it one way or the other. And like you said, it doesn't matter. Yep. So what do you say to the people who say, I could never be a runner or I'm not a runner or this is what a runner looks like. This is what a runner does. This is how much a runner runs. How do you redefine that? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on how they start the conversation. So a lot of times I'll say, that's totally fine. You don't have to run. Like if I can tell really the answer is they're like, oh gosh, you're a runner. You're probably judging me because I don't run. I don't care if you run. I genuinely do not care. I think everyone should because we're all good people. But <laughs> so I always kind of start with, you don't have to run. There's a million ways to be healthy and happy and fit. But if you want to run, like go to a race, look at the people crossing the finish line. They're every size, every age, every gender, like if you want to run, this is 100% doable. It's just you may have to reconsider your expectations a little bit. Day one, you're not going to run three miles or five miles. You may be really excited if you run an entire block. Like It's hard. And just know that everyone that you're out seeing running, they had that hard to start too. So it's hard for all of us. It only gets easier in that it becomes a habit. <laughs> It's hard forever because we keep chasing new goals. So I think a lot of that, the big thing for me is just getting people to sort of reset like initial expectations, especially if we're 40 and we're starting to run and we haven't been running. Like it may look like power walking and then run walking and then running, but that's okay. As long as you're enjoying it, you'll progress. It'll happen. Yeah, that's an excellent point that it keeps getting challenging just because we keep setting new goals. And so, well, yeah, I, I think a lot of people assume that it comes easy to runners. Like we just, we, our first run, we were able to go out there and run four miles, no problem. Or that we don't lack motivation sometimes. And there are days that, I mean, I think the most passionate runners just like, oh, I just really don't feel like doing this. I'm assuming you still have those days, right? Yeah, some. It's easier right now because I'm not marathon training. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing is so long. So I'm just, it feels very free right now. I say free and yet I am a person who has followed a very similar schedule for a decade. So I think habits is the thing I always point to though. I don't really think a lot about motivation because I simply have a habit. I get up in the morning, I eat, and then I'm going to work out. That could mean I go for a walk, I could run, I could strength train, but like 
that is such an ingrained process that it all just starts. And then I can sort of see how I feel. And maybe some days it's like, no, you don't feel good. You need to just stop. But I think I just don't, motivation doesn't come up to me that much anymore because if you can just get into this routine, your brain will kick in and just sort of keep the ball rolling. And then you can decide what to do once you get there. But it kind of takes over for that. I think a lot of new runners or people that kind of start and stop, start and stop. It, I mean, the hardest part is making it a habit and and having that consistency, which is like the, you know, the bread and butter of successful running. So what advice do you have for new runners who just are really struggling with being consistent, especially like, you know, life comes up or trying to fold it into your life. Or when you start running, you do get those little aches and pains and niggles as your body adjusts to the training load. And then you freak out and you're like, Oh no, I'm getting injured or I shouldn't push my body. Like what's your advice for people who are navigating that? I think a lot of the times it's start smaller than you think you should. So instead of I'm going to run five days a week and I'm going to run 30 minutes every time, it may just be like, I'm going to set this 10 minutes aside in the morning every single day. And whatever I do in that 10 minutes is fine. Some days I'll foam roll, some days I'll stretch, some days I'll run, some days I'll walk, but just get to the point where you have like that standard thing that just happens and then start to like build on that. It's, you know, that may not work for everyone, but it does work really, really well. I've seen it work really well for a lot of people. Or the alternative is yes, 100%, get it on your calendar, three days where 30 minutes are carved out if that feels better. And then treat those like they genuinely are non-negotiable things and do it at the same time, same day, every week. And that will help it just kind of then become something that's A, in your calendar, in your routine, but also other people will start to respect it. So I know that's a problem for a lot of people, but eventually if it's like, oh, well, she runs on Wednesdays at 7 a.m., they start to understand that and they're like, okay, I don't ask for things then or I don't schedule things then because that is happening. Yeah, I think that's so key is making sure people know and respect your wishes and your schedule. Yeah, like my husband knows nothing late on Friday night because it will mess with the sacred Saturday long run, you know. (laughs) All right, so, okay, I'm not trying to, I said, like when I started my site, I was like, I'm not trying to convince anybody to become a runner. But there are so many wonderful reasons. Like what are some of the perks? Like cinnamon gummy bears. I know you love pizza. Um, just like obviously the amazing feeling of doing something that you never thought that you could do. What are kind of like, if you were chatting with somebody who was like, I think I want to, but I don't know, it just seems really hard. And you know, there's a lot of like unwonderful things that I just made up a word like black toenails, for example, (laughs) how can we negate that? Yeah, I think one of the big things that I often talk about is it's a chance to unplug and disconnect and not worry about what's coming into your email, like not be checking an app every 30 seconds. And this is actually kind of hard for us. We are 
now used to constantly being stimulated and man, it's so good for your brain to have that time to shut off and disconnect. It's a time for no one to be asking for something from you. Those words alone are magical to a lot of moms. So I think thinking of it, yeah, as that little bit of time truly for you. So you can think and you can breathe and you can have some space in your day. I love the treadmill, but really and truly, we know if we can get outside, that extra little bit of nature is really calming and does a lot for sort of our nerves and helping to bring that down. There's a lot of really cool like long-term health benefits too, like reducing Alzheimer's and stuff like that. So if we're able to think long-term, I love thinking about that kind of stuff too. So do you typically not run to music? I like podcasts and audiobooks, but I do try to, at least for a mile in every run, have nothing on. Sometimes that turns into two miles, three miles, four miles, depending on what I'm thinking about. For long runs, it was always a much longer duration of time where I would just sort of think and go through things. It was very helpful when I was writing my book. I would write a great deal of it while I was running. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. Do you have another book that you're going to work on? I do have an idea for one. We'll just see what the timing looks like. Okay. Well, I bought your book. It was great. It had so many wonderful tips that I didn't know. And you're so good about making sure people stay like healthy in body and mind as a runner. I know you're really, really big on strength training. Is that something you kind of discovered like post knee injury or have you always known that strength training was key? Because I feel like this is something that people are just now kind of accepting that as a runner, you should be doing this as well. I think I knew for a long time it was valuable, but I would have interviews with people like Ryan Hall who would say things like, no, I don't strength train because if I want to get better at running, I just run, which is highly amusing seeing him now, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was obviously a big influence. Like I was like, well, he's the best there is right now. And like, he says, I don't need to strength train. So I was very hit or miss with it for probably five years where I would go on streaks where I was consistent and then not consistent, but really, yes, 2017, I really did start getting consistent. I started looking at the idea of lifting a little bit heavier and have really been pretty darn consistent since then. And I do believe it's made a difference even as I get older. And I didn't have many injuries before that because I did a lot of prehab type stuff all the time, but I have had, you know, knock on wood, no injuries since then. And I do think strength training is a big piece of that for all of us. What are some other things that you've done that you think have helped you stay healthy or that you advise your athletes that you coach to do to stay healthy? Because there's a lot out there. I mean, everywhere you turn, it's like, you know, here's another gadget to help you recover. And I mean, what is really worth your time? Yeah, 100%. My athletes are tired of hearing it. But the warm up, I just, it's like a, you cannot skip it. It works. We know it works to keep you injury free. So doing the dynamic work. And then I really love just sneaking into the warm up some core work. So that means our hips, glutes, abs. And those are the three things 
that almost universally when a runner gets injured and goes to physical therapy, they either hear that their hips are weak, their glutes are weak, or they don't have enough core stability. So I'm like, if we can sneak five minutes in before your run, it's part of your warmup and we've now made you more injury proof. And so I've seen that work really well for our athletes. I even put together a 30 day core program that is literally 10 minutes a day. So I was like, I'm making this as easy as possible for you to do. Honestly, before any gadget, those two things. Yeah, that's genius to fold it into the warm up. That's such a good point. You're right. Yeah, because we're more likely to do it. Yes, than being like, oh, there's this other thing I need to do today. But if it's just I'm already doing this little thing, and it's only five more minutes or 10 more minutes, like we do it. Yeah. And you're right. Most injuries, like even if it's your foot, it almost always traces back up the chain to like your hips, your glutes, your core. That is a great point. What about, what are your keys to happiness for being a happy runner? Good question. (laughs) I think oftentimes it's coming back to your why. When we start getting really focused on pace, pace is not your why. It's not what makes you show up. It's not why you started running. So I think oftentimes it's coming back to that. And then it really is thinking about what actually brings you joy on your runs. What is interesting? Is it, do you really get excited when you get to go to new places? Are you actually just much happier when you get to run with people? You know, what are those things? Are you really joyful when you go to the track and you bust your butt? Like then figure out how to make that happen. So I think a lot of times we just get into the routine or we just pick a plan and we're like, I got to do what the plan says, but it matters that you're enjoying it because then you'll actually stick to it. That makes me think that with my athletes and maybe you do this, like an exercise is to write down your whys before you start any training plan, just to kind of go back to it, you know? Yeah, it's a great idea to do it. What are some common uh, mistakes that you see a lot of new runners make or even just runners in general, where you see it happening and you're just like, oh, please, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> yeah, it's usually skipping the warm up. And then it tends <laughs> to be <laughs> that gray zone run. So when we talk about sort of figuring out how to run easy, it's a mistake I 100% made myself. It is kind of thinking that easy is a pace rather than easy is an actual feeling. And just being too scared to allow yourself to run that slower, easier pace because you think it means you're getting slower. I think that's honestly, those two are probably the, the biggest, most common ones. And the dynamic warmup is super easy to fix. <laughs> that you can fix in a nanosecond. I think the running easy enough, it's a mental thing and it takes a little bit of convincing and a little bit of time to see that it's actually working to get people to buy in. Yeah, I think that's, that's almost like a rite of passage. Like every new runner does that. Because it's kind of hard to like make the segue because it's like, it's hard to start even when you're running really easy, you know, and then once you get running, you're like, well, this is it. This feels hard, but it's always felt hard. So this is how it should be. And you don't realize that you can actually run and not be gasping for air and wanting to stop the whole time. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You also do a great job of busting myths. So while we're talking about common running mistakes, what are some common running myths that you see that you just 
especially probably on Instagram where you're just like, oh, that is wrong, wrong, wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. Gosh, there are different things. I mean, I can't help it. The first one that comes to mind is just the funny ones of like how bad it is for women because like it jostles your your organs around and stuff. I had a doctor tell me one time women could not run over 25 miles per week. (laughs) What? Yes. It was so fascinating. I actually have not heard that. I mean, I know like as a pregnant runner, people have a lot of misconceptions, but wow. Interesting. Okay. There was, it very much used to be like the reason they did not allow women to run the marathons was they said things like, Oh, well, like your female organs would fall out. Your uterus would fall out. They were convinced if you ran that much, that's what would happen. So yes, it was amusing to me. And like, that was like 2010 to have a doctor tell me that. Which is crazy. Like, that wasn't that long ago. Like, I do remember an OB telling me that when I was pregnant running, like, to be mindful of prolapse. And I remember when I was running too soon after having her, and I was, like, so worried that my uterus was going to fall out. We know a lot more now. That wasn't even that long ago. We're learning so much. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And the bad for your knees. I feel like that's another thing. Yeah, bad for your knees is like probably the most common one. There's just way too much data to say that's not the case. It's actually, you probably have healthier knees because you're running. Now, certainly like in any sport, you can injure yourself, any sport. And if you're doing running wrong with certain things, you're going to have pain. Most of the time that is that we're skipping the hip glute work. (laughs) So yeah, for sure that, or that you have I'm noticing a trend here. I know. Right. Super common. There are certain things I say a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So we share a birthday almost. We're like almost exactly the same age, which is so funny. And now, so we're both 41, right? You're 41? Yep. As a master's runner, is there anything that you hit harder as far as your training goes or your athletes go that you view as more important as you move into your 40s and beyond? Yeah, this has been a topic I have been really, really excited about for a number of years. One, because I had hormonal issues starting at age 29. Um, I have loved that like Stacey Sims has really pushed us leaps and bounds forward in terms of information and people looking for it and finding it. So Yeah, big time. Our master's runners, their programs look a little different. And again, that depends on each runner too. But the plyometrics come back and really need to be in there. And they may start out as very like low intensity, but we know that we're losing that fast twitch. We know, especially as women, we just have better endurance. So we have to give a little more focus to the other stuff. We know that the strength training becomes more important and not just the 15 reps, but actually working down to something where maybe we can only do four or five or six reps. So I would say I have been better about making those changes in the last few years and adding some, because I can't say I love plyometrics. I don't, but I know the value and I have seen the value. So I did PR like a 10K, which was 
a PR from 12 years ago. And I still think I have more there. Yeah. And I think it'll be from doing some of those little things. That's awesome. So what do you like the shorter distances? I guess I always thought of you as like marathon and beyond. I have literally never trained hard for a 10K. That was the first time I have ever done that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so it was a lot of fun. And I actually want to spend some time now doing that. And then I'm quite sure that will also make me want to then run farther. So I will use that and build back up. But yeah, no, I had a great time really just focusing on that. So you think that's what's going to be next once you get once you have a training plan again, training schedule? Yeah, I kind of feel like maybe late fall, winter, spring or something, I'll kind of stay focused around the 10k. And then as long as that feels good, then maybe I'll push up to see if that half marathon PR is still somewhere in the realm of possibility. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But you've done ultras before, right? I have done an ultra. I did an ultra by myself during COVID. Oh, okay. That sounds hard. (laughs) (laughs) It was. It was. I'm glad I did it. So yes, maybe another ultra at some point where I actually do it with humans. (laughs) Well, you, (laughs) I mean, you live in a running Mecca. Like it's, I mean, you're in Colorado. It's so beautiful where you live. And so did you end up moving there because it is a running Mecca or was it for your husband's work or how did that work out? Because where are you from? Florida? Originally from Kansas City, but we lived in Florida for about eight years. Yeah. So we moved around a lot for his job. Okay. That's right. Midwest. And yeah, I finally said, I would like to stop moving. So can we pick a place? You're going to have to get a new job because your job is always going to mean moving. Honestly, sight unseen, we agreed on Denver. It was a good choice. Yeah. So how long have you been there? Now, almost seven years, which is the longest we have ever lived in one place together. (laughs) And we've been together 19 oh, really? years. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. So did you guys, where did you meet? In college, I guess. We met right, yeah, right after college in Kansas City. Okay. Did you go to Mizzou or where did you go to journalism school? Yeah, I went to Mizzou. Oh, okay. I almost went to Mizzou. I looked there. We could have been classmates. Such a good yep. journalism school. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun school. Well, awesome. Well, I loved getting to know you a bit more and chatting and I hope you feel better soon. It sounds like you're on the right trajectory and you're doing everything right. Thanks so much. This was great. Yeah. Thank you. I'll chat with you soon. All right. Thank you so much, Amanda. It was great learning more about you. And thank you all for listening to The Passionate Runner. You can find full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned at runnerclick.com slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from the episodes, please leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash The Passionate Runner. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes. We will talk to you next time.